Well, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, again, I want to just read um, those verses again. Not all of them, just a few here. Look at, look at verse 7 with me again. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear His voice. And then look down at verse 13. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. And then look, again, look down in chapter 4 in verse 7. Again, He limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. You know, today, today is all we're guaranteed. And really, really, if you think about it, the current breath that I'm speaking is all that I'm guaranteed. Not guaranteed the next breath. You know, I grew up uh, playing baseball, played baseball and basketball, but um, I was pretty good, pretty good baseball player. I was a left-handed pitcher, um, developed th- over the years and could throw, could throw pretty hard. Um, I, in fact, my sophomore year in high school for the, for the school season in the spring, I was, I was one of the leading um, pitchers in terms of strikeouts and an ERA in, in the entire city of Cincinnati. Um, and then the summer after my sophomore year, I was invited to play with a pretty well-known amateur select travel baseball team, whatever you want to call it. And that is, uh, the, the name of that organization is Midland Baseball. And um, it, again, pretty well-known organization. In fact, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Larkin, other, several other major league players had, had played for this travel organization team. And we were preparing for the first tournament of the season. And I was, was going to be one of the starting pitchers for the team. Uh, there was probably four or five of us that would have been in a starting rotation. And the, the coach pulled me aside um, prior to this first tournament that, that we were playing in. And, and he said, you know, we haven't really set a rotation yet. You know, typically... You know, you're, you, the, the person that starts, starts the first game of the year is your number one pitcher. You know, that's typically how they do it. Like your opening day starter for the Reds is, is typically your best, your best starter. So he said, you know, we're, we're playing four or five teams in this tournament. It was an invitational. And he said, you know, this, the first couple of teams are, you know, are, are okay. But he said, he said I'm going to save you for the best team that we play. So what he was telling me was, is that I was, I was the number one starter on a, on a team of, of select players from this entire city. So we, we played the first couple of games, and we, we play this team that is the best team in, in, the, in the tournament. So I start, I start pitching, pitched really well. Um, first five innings, we, I think I may, maybe gave up one run. And then in the sixth inning, first batter comes up, three straight pitches, strike him out. And then a couple pitches to the next batter are thrown. And then the third pitch that I throw, I feel, I feel a pop in my elbow. And I'm like, you know, my, you know, my bones crack from time to time. My knee pops and so forth. So I said, you know, it's fine. I'll throw another pitch. Well, the next pitch landed about three or four feet before home plate. And then pain, pain started to, to set in in my elbow. And 
and I knew, I knew something was wrong. So I call the coaches out. They come out, tell them what's going on. They, they take me out of the game. And eventually, you know, within the next couple of days, go to the, go to the doctor and, and find out that I had, I had torn muscle in my, in my elbow and partially, partially torn a, a tendon. So that basically took me out of playing the, the rest of that summer. Um, I think maybe the last few games of that, that summer season, I got to get in and hit a little bit and play first base, but didn't pitch. So I tried to try to get in the next year um, for school ball, tried to rehab, and, and uh, second game that I pitched, same exact thing happened again. Um, elbow popped, felt it, it, pain much more intense this time, and from, from that time on, I, I, I was done with baseball. You know, and when I, the, the, I remember the, pit, the pitch before felt perfect. I, there was nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Threw it, threw it right down the middle as hard as I could. But then the very next pitch, something changed. It popped. And, it, and from that point on, it started the process of me being done with baseball. And that's, that's, that's life. That's, that's what the Lord has for us and for certain things in our life. One day... One moment we're doing something that, that we think, hey, this is going to take me to college, possibly even to, to the minor leagues get drafted. You know, that's what, that's what people were telling me. And, and in my mind, that's, that's, what I was, that's what I was going to do. I was going to go pitch. I was going to go to college and play or, or even better and get drafted. But one pitch, one moment changed all of that. And I say that to say this, is that we're, we're not guaranteed the next moment. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. I wasn't, I wasn't guaranteed to, to go to, to college and, and play in the pros or whatever, whatever it was that was my dream. And I, and I think the Lord obviously used, was using that in my life to point me to Him and to get me to where I am standing right now preaching to you this morning. I don't think if, if, I, if I would have not been injured, I mean, who, who knows? Who knows what would have happened, but there's a good chance I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be right here. You know, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, I heard a message this past week actually at a pastor's fellowship where a, a, a pastor did a wonderful job talking about this. But Proverbs 27 and verse 1 says this, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring. You know, we may be sitting here perfectly healthy right now, but tomorrow we may not be. You know, we, we're sitting here right now and we may be engaged in the Lord and reading our Bibles every day and praying. And maybe, maybe tomorrow something will happen, get our attention, we'll get distracted and we won't. We won't be. You know, again, the current breath is truly all we are guaranteed. It could be our, it could be our last. We know what the Bible says in James, life is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. This could literally be our last February, our last Sunday, our last church service. And I'm, I'm not trying to be morbid, but, but if we're being realistic and understanding of what Scripture says, we know this to be true. We don't, we don't like to think about living our lives like, like we could be swept into eternity at any moment. But unfortunately, that is, that, that's the, the truth. That is the reality of it. And I want you to just... There's so much that we can make application here at the beginning of this message, but I just want us to think about two things, and then we'll get and then we'll get into the gist of the message. First of all, today, our church—I look—I look out in this in this crowd 
this morning. And our church is full of, of some wonderful people that I believe are wonderful Christians. There's no doubt about that. And I, I have no doubt this is the case with, with many of us, maybe even most of us in here this morning. But could it be that because we've been, we've been taught well, and we have. We have a wonderful pastor that has, that has taught us the Bible for, for f- almost 44 years now. And, and I'm very thankful for us. But could it, could it be the case today that we've been taught so well, we know how we should act, we know how we should behave. We're behaving well outwardly, but inwardly it's a completely different story. Could that be the case this morning? And if it is, we only may have today to get ourselves right on the inside. We may only have today to get right with the Lord. We may only have today to get ourselves right on the inside so that the fruits of the Spirit can be truly displayed on the outside. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to, to make things look good on the outside, but let's be honest, what's going on on the inside? It's really going on with our hearts today. And then the second thing, we're, today I, I just a couple questions to ask. Are, are we living in victory or are we living in defeat as we sit here this morning? Do we feel defeated like the Lord is a million miles away? Is, is the fight that we had in us in our Christian life at, at one point, has it, has it been driven away? Has it, has, is it just a distant memory? You can renew that godly fight today. You can renew it today and keep moving forward in the, in the power of the Spirit. And another thing you can do is say no to sin today. You can repent today. You can turn your eyes back on Jesus today. Has, has sin created just this cloud that is constantly following you? That is, that is affecting you in, in more ways than maybe you even understand. Understand that that cloud can be removed today. It can be gone today if you would just make it right with the Lord and make it right with others, if that may be the case. 1 John 4 and verse 4 says this, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. What is, what is them? That's the world, the enemy, our flesh. Everything that comes against us that brings us down and wants us to be so far away from God. He says this again, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you that is, than, than he that is in the world. What, if you're a Christian this morning, and I'm going to talk about it if you're not here in just a moment, but if you're a Christian this morning, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the, I'm, going to, I'm going to get to this in a moment, but if there's an if there. All right, we hear his voice. If we hear his voice, we can make the decision to do right, but sometimes we turn off that voice. Let's make the decision today to hear it and to do it, to do what he's telling us to do. So that bring me, brings me to the first point. And number one is this today, if ye will hear his voice. And, and I'm just going to quickly give you these three, these three points under, under number one, and then I'll talk about this. So the, the bullet there is the big if. Okay? The big if. All right? And I'm going to say more about that here in just a moment. And, and there's two things. If you are unsaved and if you are saved. Okay? So I'm going to talk about those things. So the big if. All right? It, look at verse 7 of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. 
Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, okay? And the, if you're saved this morning and unsaved, the Holy Ghost is speaking to you. He is speaking to your heart. If you're saved, maybe there's something going on, and He's speaking to you. He's telling you what you need to do. He's comforting you. He's lifting you up. He's doing everything He can to draw you back unto Himself. If you're unsaved, if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, He's calling upon you right now to be saved, to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to be convicted under the power of the Holy Spirit about your sin and come to Him and be saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He is speaking to us this morning. But there is a big if. There is an if. God doesn't make us do anything. He, he provides us with what we need. He speaks to our hearts. But He doesn't make us do anything. He gives us the choice to accept Him as our Savior and Lord. He gives us the choice as Christians to follow that voice and what He is telling us and where He is leading us and where He is guiding us. If you're a child of God, the Holy Ghost will be absolutely speaking to you and prompting you. John chapter 16 and verse 13 says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come. All right, when He comes to live inside of you, the moment that you get saved, what happens? It says He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you there. He will show you what, what is truth and what is not. And then we have the choice to follow Him into that truth or to, or to, or to follow Him into unrighteousness, into, into lies. He is speaking to us today, right now. Today, He is speaking to us again. But if, if, you're, if you're not saved this morning, if you're not saved this morning, the devil has control of your mind and life. You're, you're his child. John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. So when we're living in the Spirit of God, when we're born again, and the Holy Spirit is in control of our life, we, are, we, we don't sin. But when we live in the flesh, which doesn't go away, we do sin. It says, for his seed remaineth in him. The Holy Spirit remains in us. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now listen to this. In this, the children of God are manifest. In this, the children of God are displayed or shown. All right? It says, and the children of the devil. This is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So there are children of God and there are children of devil. There's nothing in between. Either you're a children of of, of the Lord, you're a child of the Lord, or you are a child of the devil. All right? And that, that, is, that all hangs upon what you have done with Jesus Christ. You've either accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, or you have rejected Him. And I hope at, up to this point, if you're sitting here this morning, and you've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Come to Him. We can help you with that. We would love to talk to you about that. So this is, it, it's, a big if, it's a big if. To those, to those of us who are saved this morning, again, I've already said this, He is speaking. He is speaking to you. The question is, are you hearing? Are you hearing? Are you listening with consideration? Are, are you comprehending? Are you understanding? Are you doing something about what He is telling you? You know, there are, there are a thousand voices that are battling for our attention. And there is only one one that matters. And that's the Holy Spirit that is in us. The voice of God that is inside of us. The Holy Spirit, He is guiding you into all truth. And the question is, are you following His voice this morning? Please, 
Let's consider that today before, before it's too late. So that, that leads me to number two. It says, while it is said today, harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts. Look at verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 3. Right, it's the title of the message. While it is said today, and then again, there's the if. If ye will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. And then again, look at verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 7. Again, He limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if ye will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Now the chapter, or verse 15 of chapter 3 says, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Alright, well what... Let, let's, let's take a look at that. A is, what is the, what is the day of provocation? Alright, let's identify what, what we're talking about here. Alright, turn back with me to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then Numbers chapter 20. And I think as we begin to read this, you'll, you'll be familiar with it and understand it. Alright, but let's, let's look at this. Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin. So the, the children of Israel have been brought out of the land of Egypt. Moses is leading them. And, and here's where we're at. In the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there. Miriam was Moses and Aaron's sister and was buried there. Verse 2, And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode, or they, they strove, they contended, they quarreled, they complained with Moses. And spake, saying, would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Wow. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt, to bring us unto this evil place? You know, a place that the place that God is leading them, they're calling an evil place. So much, so many things are misplaced here. It is no place of seed, or of figs, or of vines, or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. And, and the rock is, is, is just a picture of Jesus. He's the water, he, he can give the water of life. Verse 9, And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear ye now, ye rebels. And Moses is upset. He's frustrated. They're both upset and frustrated. He says, Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? It wasn't them. It was God. Verse 11, Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod smote the rock twice. Remember, God said, Speak to it, not hit it. He smote it. He hit it twice. And the water came out abundantly. God was still merciful. He still provided. And the congregation drank and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not, 
to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. Okay, now, let's, I want you to notice three things about, about this passage of Scripture that, that, we just, that we just read. Again, we're talking about the day of provocation, that this is the provocation of the people of Israel against God and against, against his, man, his, his men. So number one, I want you to see that the supply ran dry. The supply ran dry. That's what it says in verse 2, and there was no water for the congregation. You know, sometimes the supply is going to run dry. That's, that's, just, that's just how life is. You know, there, there is not always going to be an abundance of everything. All right, now in this country, we do have an abundance. All right, but comparatively speaking, we're not always going to have an abundance. There's, there's not always going to be an abundance of food, of, of water, of clothing, of housing. Or if you want to talk about spiritual things, there's not always going to be an abundance of the Lord revealing things to us. You know, sometimes He wants us to wait on Him and just, just continue to listen no matter what. There's not always going to be answers that are given when we need them. There, things are going to run dry. The supply is going to run dry. There will be times when the brook will dry up, as it's talked about with Elijah. And, and, and it says this in, in, in 1 Kings, when, when it's talking about this situation with Elijah, he's there at the brook, and it says this, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath. And we know that when, when Elijah rose from the brook being dry, that he went and found a widow woman there that the Lord was going to use to sustain Elijah. You know, sometimes when the brook dries up, when things dries up, the Lord will move us as He did Elijah. Okay, but many times God just wants us to stay the course right where we are until He tells us to move. You know, think of, think of the book of Ruth. All right, let's, actually, let's turn there. All right, turn to Ruth with me for just a few minutes. All right, you got Judges, Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. <clears throat> this is another situation where, where things dried up. You got Judges and then Ruth chapter 1. And, re- and actually, look, look at the very last verse of Judges. Judges 21-25. It says, In those days was there no king in Israel, and then mark this, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It's a miserable place to be when we're doing our own thing and doing what's right in our own eyes. And then the very next, next verse of the Bible, look what it says. People are doing what's right in their own eyes, and then here's, here's the result. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Guess what? When we do things our way, things are going to dry up. There's going to be a famine. You, you, can, you can pretty much guarantee that. And then when we do things our way, things are, are going to be a mess. There's going to be a famine. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he, his wife, and his two sons. All right, now these, these are people from the land of Israel. All right, now they decided because things are drying up that they're going to move. Now, did God tell them to move? No, he did not. Verse 2 And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, the name of his two sons, Malon, Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab. All right, Moab, if you remember who Moab is, Moab was the son of Lot. All right, not from his wife, but from his daughter. 
Okay, very, very evil, wicked situation. When Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, remember his wife turned around and looked. Look, she was turned to a pillar of salt. And he had two daughters that were not raised the right way. And because they, they said, well, our, our mom is dead, our, our, our dad is not going to be able to raise up any, any family. So they got, they got him drunk. They both, they both lied with him, had, had sexual relationships with their father. And one of the two that were born, that's Moab. Okay, wicked, wicked place to start in, in a wicked, wicked nation that was developed out of, out of Moab. They came into the country of Moab and continued there. Verse 3, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Ten years. They, they stayed where they should not have been. They, they removed themselves from the blessings of God for ten years. It's a miserable situation. And Milan and Chilean died, also both of them. So, you, so she loses her husband. She, she loses both of her son-in-laws. And the, women, or the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. <clears throat> Verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. And look what it says. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. You know, sometimes we move when God has not told us to move. Sometimes we start going in a direction that God has not told us to go in that direction. And when we do, things will dry up. Things will begin to dry up. And we've got to be aware of that. What direction are you going? Are you going your own direction based upon your own thinking? Or are you going in the direction that, that God wants you to do because you're going in His direction? So what, what are you going to do when, when the supply runs dry? And then let's back to Numbers chapter 20. Number two, the second thing I want you to notice is this. Their trust in the Lord and His divinely men began to die. So, so the supply ran dry, and then their trust in the Lord and His men began to die. Look at, look at, the, look at verse 2. And they gathered themselves together. Again, Numbers 20, verse 2. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and, and spake, saying, would, excuse me, would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? What a, what a complete lack and loss of faith based upon just a, a little circumstance of, of water drying up. How, how quickly does it take for us to begin to doubt and lose our faith and our confidence in the Lord when, when the things that are right in front of us begin to be taken away. We have got to be so very careful of this that we do not begin to, 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 for our trust in the Lord to begin to die. And then it, it gets even worse. Number three, their contempt. Or in other words, them despising the Lord and, and Moses and Aaron began to rise. So see, see, the, see the process here. That things dry up, they begin to complain, they begin, they begin to doubt and trust God, and then that turns to contempt. That turns to, to them not, not being upset, but, but actually despising the Lord for what He has done. Alright, look at verse 5. And wherefore have ye made us, why have you made us essentially to come up out of Egypt? To bring us unto this evil place. Now remember, they, this, this is already after they've been brought out. They saw the Red Sea parted. 
These people saw all these miracles and they're still they're giving in and, and saying, why, why, Lord, have you brought us out here to die? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And where, where I, I hope we're not in that process right there. I hope we're not part of that where things are drying up and, and we're starting to doubt and we're starting to get to the point where we're, we're despising the Lord. You know, everything, everything that He does, especially when we're living in sin, is to draw Him back to ourself or to Himself. All right, to, get to, to come to the end of ourself is, is where He's trying to get us. And, and it, is, it is so important that, that we wake up and see this this morning. All right, so what is the day of provocation? provocation? This, this is this story from, from Romans chapter 20. And then, and then the second thing I want you to see is when, just a question, when is the day of provocation? It is today. It, it, it's today. Not one of us can avoid temptation or provocation. The devil, the flesh, the, this world, um, the wrong kind of friends will present it. It will be presented so beautifully. You know, if you're not, if, if you're not in the middle of, of being tempted and provoked right now, I, you will be very soon. All right, maybe you're having victory right now, but I, I can tell you right now that Satan's not going to give in. He's not going to quit. He is going to continue to attack, and your flesh certainly isn't going away. It is, it is still right here attached to us until he brings us to heaven. Either, either we die or he comes back to take us. But Satan, look, and, and when it's presented to us, it is presented so beautifully. Satan's angels will appear as angels of light and will make it look so appealing. And when our hearts are hard, we can't discern what's happening. The deception is going on right in front of us and we just don't even see it. Then before we know it, we're walking blindly down a dangerous path that will take many down with us. Understand that our, our sin... Our sin never, ever, ever just affects us. When we go down a path of sin, oftentimes we're taking many, we're taking many with us. And I'm right now I'm thinking of, of, of us men in the room that, that, that are married and have a family. We are the umbrella of our, of our homes. We are the protection of our homes. And if we're not relying on God for that protection, we're heading down a path that is going to put us in the muck and the mire and we're going to throw our family right into it as well. And that can end today. It can end today if we just get right with the Lord and set our affection on things above and not on things of the earth. So, how do we have victory in the day of provocation? How do we have victory? Let's, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 3. And we won't, we won't jump around a whole lot more after this, so we can stay in Hebrews here. So turn to Hebrews chapter 3 and you can pretty much stay there. How do we have victory in the day of provocation? I've just, I just have two things, and there's a lot more that we could say this morning, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you two things based upon what's here in Hebrews. Number one, pay attention to the warnings of God. Pay attention to the warnings of God. And if you're a child of God this morning, you know what the warning of God is. You've be, you're, you're, you're probably, like, like me, being warned right now. The Holy Spirit's probably speaking to you right now. All right, listen, listen to the warnings that God gives us in this chapter. Verse 8 says, Harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation, which we just talked about. Is your heart a heart of stone this morning? Is it so hard that, that even this morning, as, as the Lord is speaking and His Word is speaking, you're just kind of pushing it off and pushing it aside 
Uh, what time? What time are we getting out of here this morning? I'm ready to go to lunch. That's a hard heart. But if you're sitting there listening and taking it in, then good. Maybe your heart's soft, but it can always be softer. Is it? Again, the Lord very clearly says, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Look at verses 10 and 17. They basically say the same thing. Wherefore, I was grieved in that generation. Verse 10, I was grieved in that generation. Do we want to grieve God? Do we want to grieve the Holy Spirit that is inside of us this morning? He says, grieved with that generation and said, they do always err. All right, make, make bad judgments, do unrighteousness in their heart, in their heart. Remember, we can sit here this morning and make it look good, but are we erring in our heart? Is our heart hard because of that? And they have not known my ways. And then verse 17, but with whom he was grieved 40 years. Who was he grieved with for 40 years? Was it not them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? All right, and then one more warning from this chapter, verse 12. It says, take heed. In other words, listen, be cautious, be aware. Think about this. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. To me, that's the strongest. That's the strongest warning. He said, you better wake up. You better listen. You better pay attention to what I'm saying lest there be an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And that's what will cause us to depart from Him. And, and we, we, can, you know, we can still we can be saved and live for months, years even, sometimes, and be in a way departed from the Lord. And we can be so hard that He's speaking and speaking and speaking, and we're not coming back to Him. You know, and, and honestly though, I, I say that, but if it goes that long, I'd be, I'd be questioning whether or not I'm actually in, in the faith. Because there, there, I mean, yes, there are times when we might have some seasons where we're away from the Lord. But, I mean, it, man, that, that time has got to be some of the most miserable times of my life when I've been away from the Lord. And it's hard to go that long. If you're truly saved, you won't go that long. But let's, let's take heed and get right with Him. Pay attention to the warnings of God. And then number two, the, the, the second thing that I'll say here is break up, break up your fallow ground. Retill the soil of your heart. And you, don't, you don't have to turn there, but let me give you two verses that talk about this. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. For thus saith the Lord to men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. They, they knew exactly what this meant. They knew that they could not go out into a field to cultivate it when it had grown wild. When, it, when there were weeds, when there were tares, when there were all of these things, that if they were to plant seed, it was just going to be choked up by everything that was already there. All of that stuff needed to be taken out, needed to be tilled over, needed to be restored for that seed to do any good. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. In other words, get things cleaned up. Get things cleaned up. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. You know, do you, do you want the blessings of God this morning? Of course, every one of us would say yes to that. Every one of us want it. But we've got to be realistic with ourselves and say, are we in a position for Him to rain righteousness upon us? 
So the, I, I'll be the first to admit there are times when I'm not. And we've, we've got we've to make sure that when, when the Lord is ready to rain that righteousness upon us, that all the weeds, all those things that, are, that have hardened our hearts are picked out so that it's softened and that He can rain upon us and things will grow. Fallow ground, fallow ground is soil long untended, uh, untended and abandoned to wild growth. I, I said that earlier. This is ground that needs to have the weeds and the wild growth killed or picked out so that the ground can be plowed and softened again for fresh seed or the Word of God to take effect. That's what fallow ground is. So what about us? What about us this morning? Is that, is that the ground that we need to soften in our heart this morning? And then the last thing, thing and we'll, we'll be done here. Number three, exhort one another daily while it is called today. While it is called today. And I want you to notice the first thing is a question. How do we exhort? And quite simply, we can exhort, first of all, by understanding the definition of the word exhort. You know, when we think of exhortation, our, our mind immediately goes to encouragement. And, that, and that, is, that is part of what exhortation is. But if you look at the definition, there's four or five other things that are brought up before it even talks about encouragement. Okay, so number one, what, understand the definition. Number one is to call to one side, to summon. Okay, so if, we're, if the Lord is calling us to exhort one another daily, then we've got to go to people and call them to our side and be there for that person. All right? To summon them. You know, you know of someone in need. You know, we use this phrase all the time. Let me know if you need anything. Well, how about going to them and saying, hey, I'm going to do this for you. You don't have to let me know. I'm just going to do it. All right? How about us, how about us seeing a need and going to meet it? Go, go to that person's side. Summon them to yourself and, and, and be a blessing to someone. And, and not only that, it says, number two, to address and to speak to. All right, that's what exhorting is. There, there's, a, there's a conversation that goes on. There's, there's, a, there's some godly words that need to be shared. So you come along somebody's side, you speak to them. And then number three is important, to admonish. Sometimes when we call someone to our side, when we summon them, and we begin to speak to them, sometimes it has to be a warning. That's what an admonishment is, is to warn, even, even to reprimand in a godly, loving way. You know, there, there are times when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ struggling with sin and other things, and we do them a disservice if we don't speak to them firmly. And we don't tell them, hey, this is, this is against what God's Word says. We are, we are doing them a disservice if we don't admonish. And then number four, to beg, to entreat, to beseech. Sometimes there needs to be a sense of urgency. When was the last time you saw someone struggling and you urgently went after that person to draw them, help draw them back to the Lord and, and pour your life into that person? Exhorting one another daily, that's what this is all about. And then number five is what we're, what we're familiar with, to encourage, to strengthen, and to, to instruct. But oftentimes the encouragement does not come unless we do the first four. To call them to our side, to speak to them, to admonish them, to, to beg with them, to beseech them in urgency. When those four things are done, then often the encouragement will come. So how do we exhort? Those are those five things. B, why. Why do we exhort? 
Look at verses 12 and 13 again, and then we're almost done. 12 and 13 of Hebrews chapter 3. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Again, maybe, maybe today, this moment, that today is the last chance you're going to get to truly exhort someone. Maybe that person that God is putting on your heart to witness to, to, to encourage, to challenge, to, to lift up, to address, to call them to your side. Maybe today is the last chance you got. Respond to the Lord. If, if, someone, if someone's in your mind right now, respond to the Lord and, and make an impact for the kingdom of God. That's what this is all about. Not, not, that we're, not that we have all the answers, but that God does. And point them to the Lord. So again, verse 12 says, or 13, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Again, today. If, if we don't take care of it today, what's going to happen? I could be hardened. That other person could be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So, number one, why do we exhort? Just quite simply, because people need to be saved. The enemy is deceiving people into staying unsaved, and the Lord has given us the commission to go and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and to, and to pull them out of that deceit, to help pull them out of it so that they can be saved and go to heaven when they die. The Lord has called us for that. And then number two, saved people need to be reminded that we can still be deceived. Why do we exhort one another? So that people can be saved and so that we need to be reminded that people that are saved can still be deceived. Whether saved or lost, our hearts can still be hardened. While it is said today, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that, that the Lord really, really spoke to my heart about as in preparing for this message and for this sermon. And we, we have to be so so very careful that we don't begin to expect tomorrow. We, there, there is really nothing that we can expect of tomorrow. We don't even know that it's going to be there. We don't know what the circumstances are going to be. We have, we have no idea. But what we can do is take advantage of what the Lord has given us, and that's, that's right now. That's today. Before it's too late, what, what do we need to do this morning? Do we, need, do we need to be saved? Are you sitting here this morning and you're doubting? I have no idea if I were to die right now, I'm on my way to heaven. I, I have no clue. You don't, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Please, today is the day of salvation. Come and be saved. And if you're a Christian this morning and, and the Lord is speaking to you about some things that, that He has said, you know what? You need to take care of that today. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? That's, that's where the rubber meets the road. Yes, the, you know, we might be hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying, but the question is, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? Are we going to act upon what the Lord is doing and where He is leading us?